You're listening to the North Canton Chapel podcast. Thank you for joining us today. The North Canton Chapel exists to make much of Jesus every day to everyone. It's our prayer that this podcast will equip you to do just that. We believe that there's nothing like the church united together in gospel community. We'd love if you'd stop in and say hello in person if you're in our neighborhood. Our gathering times are at 9 and 10.30 a.m. Thank you again for joining us today. Let's listen in. Well, good morning, Amplify at NCC this morning. My name is Jimmy, and I have traveled all the way from Texas to be with you this weekend. I have, uh, yeah, thank you. Wow, what a warm welcome. <laughs> I've been with the youth all weekend, and we've had an incredible weekend. Friday night, uh, you got to preach the word of God, and just... I want to speak highly of your youth. They were leaned in. They weren't the, the typical youth group maybe that you would think of, that they were chatty and they were here for other reasons. When I was able to preach this weekend, they were so leaned in. And then last night I got to preach again. I preached, I, looked at, I was looking at the preach clock last night, I preached for over an hour last night. Over an hour we preached the word of God. And I'm telling you, these youth were more bought in at the last hour than they were at the beginning. And uh, you guys have an incredible youth group here. And so, yeah, come on, celebrate them. I don't care about me. Like, celebrate them. Our middle schoolers are great. And, uh, and then I walked on all the rooms of the church. You should have seen how, if you think these Oreos are crazy, you should have seen what they did to the church this weekend. Um, church building. Uh, I had like a piece of fried chicken in one hand, fruit snacks in my pocket, nutter butter as well, right, boys? Yeah. And uh, we've had a great weekend of fun. As you can see, uh, Pastor Alex is really good about creating a fun environment for them to enjoy God, right? For them to enjoy the idea of saying, I would love to go be with the people of God because where the joy of the Lord is, right? That's our strength. Amen? And so, yeah, I'm standing on Oreos right now, but it's not that big of a deal. And uh, because we will do whatever it takes to reach young people for Jesus. Amen? So I'm from Texas, and uh, yeah, we were a clappy bunch, and I love it. Come on, let's keep clapping all morning. Uh, my name is Jimmy. I am a youth pastor in Texas, and uh, um, I'm up here being able to speak the word of God to you this weekend. Kind of get to, I love to get to know my audience. That's like one of my main goals here is that uh, just the connection with people. So how many of you are like me? You grew up in the church. You're just, if you're honest, you grew up in the church the whole time. You, I mean, I was in the pew. My parents weren't like in ministry or anything, but I grew up in the church and I've been to all kinds of churches. Like, I've had all sorts of experiences in churches. I've been to uh, Baptist churches, charismatic churches. I've been to all sorts of churches growing up, and I kind of wanted to see everyone's expression, and I was always down, down to clown. I'm always down to go to a different church service and experience different things, I, I, Catholic masses, and, and I just, I'm exploring as I'm growing up. And I remember being in a church service growing up. Where they were, they were like, hey, if you want to come for prayer, come forward. If you want to receive prayer, if you want more of God. And I'm like, I mean, I like prayer, talking to God. And I, I like to, I want more of God. Sure, that sounds great. So as a young man, I came forward. And uh, now here's what you need to know about me at that time period. Um, I was a little chubbier than I am right now. Okay, that's, that's important for the story. Okay, log that here. Let's move on. So I move up front. I go up front and I'm praying. And I'm like, this, this lady comes up to me and she starts praying for me. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Uh, she's praying some really nice stuff. And I thought we were done. I thought we were over. And then she looked at me and, and things started to get crazy. Let's be honest. She grabs my belly fat. And she goes, receive. And I'm like, ah. 
get off me, lady. Like, what's happening right now? And, and I, would, I was just as genuine. And I had, I've, so I've had some crazy experiences at church. I don't know what I received that day. Felt like a demon. I don't know what it was. But I was like, get off me. I will go to the gym, I guess, okay? You don't have to tell me that like that. And uh, I've, so I've had some really crazy experiences in church, especially when it comes to prayer. Um, but I've also had some of the most beautiful moments with the people of God, with the church, right? Um, and, and prayer is always such a fascinating thing. And, and yeah, I had that weird environment. I had that weird moment. But I also, like, I was sitting with my mentor. I always believe that you should surround yourself with wise. If you walk with the wise, you will become wise. And so I'm sitting with my mentor. This is literally just like a month ago, going through a hard moment in my life. And, and things are getting difficult. And he senses that moment. And in the middle of the restaurant that we were eating at, we go to once a month and we talk about life, he just reached across the table, put his arm on my forearm, and in the middle of everybody, in the middle of this restaurant, he just prayed for me. He just had this like very sweet, authentic, loving prayer that God would encourage me. So yeah, I've had some weird experiences in church. If you've grown up in church, we've all had weird experiences. But I've also had some of the most meaningful moments of my life when it comes to the people of God, when it comes to church. And I tell you that because I, I had this moment of being like, this is, this is like what's happening right now is there is this man that is talking to God about me. Let's talk about prayer for a second. Like, there was a man talking to God about me, and I was like, this is fascinating right now. Like, how much honor do I feel that this guy would go out of his way to talk to God about me? Middle school girls, I believe that you should find a guy who is already talking to God about you, of how he can respect you and love you and value you as a child of God and not what he can get from you. Amen? Right? How many moms and dads in the place are like, that's what's talking about, right? It's just this wild thing that, like, when someone prays for you, they're talking to God about you. And it's just like this cool little, like, thing, like, and then what would they say? If I were to talk to God about you, what would I say? What would I say about NCC, this church body that's here today? And, and, and so I'd say all that because John records a moment in his gospel where after three years of ministry, Jesus prays for his disciples, Jesus talks to the Father, talks to God about his disciples. And so what does he say? If you're interested in the whole prayer, it's recorded in John chapter 17. The whole prayer, it's called the high priestly prayer, right? It's this whole prayer in John chapter 17. But I tell you all that because there is a moment that happens in Jesus' prayer that day that I was like, I got a highlight for NCC this morning, for Amplify this morning at NCC. And it's, we're going to pick it up in John chapter 17, verse 20. So Jesus has been praying for 19 verses. And in verse 20, he's saying, I do not ask for these only. And I can kind of picture him looking at his disciples and he's praying for his disciples. But then he says, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they, okay, so Jesus kind of pivots in his prayer, and he kind of has his natural eyes are working in front of him, and he's praying for these 12 disciples that are directly in front of him, and then he switch and switches into his spiritual eyes. And he says, I'm not only praying for these that are with me right here, but also for those that will hear about me through their word. And here we are 2,000 years later, we've heard about Jesus through their words, so that means Jesus is about to pray for you. So that means Jesus is about to talk to the Heavenly Father. He's about to talk to God about you. So now we're like, oh my word, like, okay, Jesus is about to pray for me. 
right? Because here we are listening to the gospel, listening to the message of Jesus through the words that went from the disciples to the early church, through generation after generation after generation. That's why I love to hear you guys said five generations are represented in this church. That's incredible, right? And that's the primary mode of like passing down faith is that from generation to generation, they will see his good works and they will give glory to our Father who is in heaven. Psalm 1, one something. There's a lot of Psalms. Uh, but so what is Jesus about to pray, middle schooler? Jesus. You know the guy that we talked about stepped into your mess? so that you could step into someone else's mess? He's about to pray for you. Church, he's about to pray for us in this moment. And what does he pray for us? He says this. He says, I do not ask for these only, but those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one. Just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me the glory that you have given me, I have given them that they may be one. He's repeating himself. Here is the purpose of my prayer is that they would be unified. They would be together. They would be one. They would be a body. They would work together. That they would be one, even as we are one. He's talking to God, talking about how he's one with God. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you have sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. It is ultra clear that the prayer that Jesus prays for his church, for us here today, is that we would be one, that we would be together. Jesus believes that we, the church, are stronger together. Amen? We, the church, we are stronger together. And this is like big brother Jesus looking at us, brothers and sisters of Christ, looking to us and saying, hey guys, this is what I'm going to pray for you. Of all the things that he could pray for us, he prays that we would be unified, that we would be one, that we would be together. Jesus believes that we are stronger together than we are alone. And I love this because this is something that I'm so passionate about because, you know, in this God reveals himself a little bit. In this, Jesus actually reveals, he kind of pulls back the curtain of, of his divinity. He pulls back the curtain of the supernatural, and he begins to reveal himself a little bit. Teenagers, here's what I mean by that. The scriptures are primarily the revelation of God. And the reason we have the scriptures is because Jesus was a real man who really lived, and then he really died publicly, and then he really came back to life. And these guys were like, we got to write about this. Remember, I talked about Matthew. He was like, I want them to know this is a real historical character. This guy really lived. So I'm going 42 generations deep into my family tree to make sure that they can fact check it and that they would know that Jesus was a real man who really lived. Let's base this in reality because it's about to get crazy when you read the story. And then Luke says, young, young uh, Theophilus, I want to write to you an orderly account of the things that had been, uh, happened among us. And Luke is a first century historian. He's talking to the apostles, the disciples. And he's saying, we got to write about this because this is so amazing. John, by the end of his book, he's like, I could have filled all the books of the world with the things that Jesus has done. But I've written these so that you might believe that he lived and that you might have life in his name. Right? This is real stuff that has really happened. And I love to say that because the Bible is primarily, the only reason we have the Bible is because of Jesus. There's no other reason to read the Jewish scriptures or the Hebrew scriptures. I'm not Jewish. I'm not a Hebrew. But because of Jesus, I've been grafted into the family of God. Amen? Right? 
And so now when you read the Bible, read it primarily as a revelation of who God is. Because Jesus himself, he is the visible image of the invisible God. Like a lot of people think that I'm crazy, and I am crazy. I believe in a God that I can't see. But the reason I believe in a God I can't see is because God made himself known among us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, amen, right? The word that was in the beginning with God and was God and was with God in the beginning and all things were made through him and in him is life and he has the light and the light will not, the light will overcome the darkness, amen? And that's, this is what I love. So Jesus kind of peels back the curtain a little bit. There's like crazy moments in scripture, historical moments. Like he literally takes James and John and Peter and he goes up on a mountain and he kind of like transfigures, big word, don't know what that means. His face starts to glow and they're like, oh my word, this is the glorification. They're starting to see pieces of his supernatural, his divinity. There's moments to where he's on a lake and the lake is like, it's like a big, uh, it's like a big storm happens and he speaks and the storm stops. It's re- revelation of his divinity. And in this moment, even in the middle of his prayer for us to be together, he reveals his divinity. Because he says, God, I pray that they would be one even as we are one. And then things get real, real confusing real quick. Because there's this word that we believe about our God is that our God exists in Trinity. Now, this word Trinity is not in the scriptures, right? This is a word that theologians have made up, scholars have made up to help us try to even understand our God, right? If I'm talking about the bigness of God, if I'm talking about the the separateness of God, that God is huge and God is big, does anybody know the word for that? Francisco, it sounds like that. Anybody? Transcendence, right? Yeah, the transcendence of our God. Our God exists, three persons, one God. He's still one God. Hero Israel, Deuteronomy 6, the Shema. Hero, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. He is one God, but there are three distinct gods within this one God. We call them persons of the Trinity. We're still trying to unwrap that, still trying to understand that. But when Jesus gets baptized, there's God in the flesh. There's God speaking, the Father speaking from above, and then God the Spirit descending like a dove. And all I know is this, God is transcendent. He is holy. He is different. He is set apart. And if I could understand my God, then I would be God. So it's okay to to not really fully understand my God and to always question my God because I'm always growing in my understanding of God. He's three in one. He's equal in value, distinct in role in the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And I love that he kind of reveals himself a little bit here. He's like, guys, I know this is going to get crazy here, but listen to this. Me and God were one. Wait, we'll come again? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what? But I love the idea of like when you read the scriptures, when you look at Jesus, Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. The scriptures are the revelation of who God is. And when you start to make up who God is outside of the scripture, you are creating a God that isn't the God of the Bible. And that's why the Bible is our standard. The Bible is our our source of who God is. Amen? That's why I love the scriptures. I'm trying to find out who in the world God is. I'm trying to figure this out. I got all my world and my culture telling me who God is, what's right, what's wrong, what's upside down, what's up, what's down, all these different things. But when I go to the scriptures, I'm like, this is true because he proved it with the resurrection. I say all that to say is that's why I love the scriptures and that's why I want to talk to you this morning about God believes that we're stronger together because God exists in together. 
And I know that's kind of like a weird statement that God exists in together, but he just, his essence is the essence of Trinity, the essence of three gods in one. And this kind of like blows my mind, but he exists in perfect unity with the Godhead. And he looks at his church, he looks at his family, he looks at his followers and he says, my prayer for you is that you would be one even as we are one, because we are stronger together, we God, and also we are stronger together, the family of God. We are stronger together. I love to see the revelation of this throughout the scriptures because before Jesus came along, the wisest man ever to be talked about or the wisest man to be known was this guy by the name of Solomon. Often regarded, he wrote wisdom literature in your Old Testament, Hebrew scriptures, wisdom literature of Proverbs and Psalms, I mean Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, right? Uh, It's a section of wisdom literature in the Old Testament. Widely known as one of the wisest men to ever live. And then Jesus came along and Jesus won that battle. But he wrote in Ecclesiastes this concept of understanding it's just the natural way we live our lives. Now, if we apply God to this, it just escalates it like crazy. But it's just the way that God created us. And, and Solomon, writing in Ecclesiastes, is just speaking to the natural law of things. Because God created the natural law of things. And he's just speaking to it here. And he literally just says, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, he says, two are better than one. We are stronger together. They got a good reward for their soil. How many of you know, like if I cleaned up these Oreos by myself, it would take me a while. But if two of us cleaned them up, it would be better than just one person cleaning them up. And I wouldn't be crushing them and feeling bad every time they crunch under my feet right now. You know? I apologize. Like, I almost thought about coming up and vacuuming during the thing, like, <laughs> my intro or whatever. But two are better than one, right? That's just the natural law of things, right? LeBron James, basketball, basketball player ever to play the game. He won you guys a championship. Don't be so mad at him, okay? I know he's living life in L.A., but he's the best basketball player ever to play. Jordan, eh, LeBron, okay? I'm a huge LeBron guy. I'm sorry. But it doesn't matter. LeBron cannot beat any team in the NBA. Any team in the NBA would wipe the floor with LeBron. Why? Because a team is better than an individual, Two are better than one. It's the natural law of things. I thought I'd get amens there, but y'all really hate LeBron that much? No. I got off the airport, and I walked down, and I was expecting. I see a big Superman statue. I was like, where's LeBron's statue, right? Superman did what? Anyway, but. (laughs) Right? So if they fail, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone. He fails, and it's not another to lift him up. And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. I'll even up it. A three-fold cord is not quickly broken. I don't know how many of you have been there before. Young people, I know we got some basketball players and some football players. I just heard about it in the lobby a second ago. But how many of you guys have been in basketball practice or you've been in football practice, two-a-days, whatever? You're running sprints. We should do these sprints where it's like end line to the foul line, end line to the three-point line, end line to the middle line, end line to the other. And, and it was crazy. It was such a bad name. I'm not going to say it from stage. But, like, I was dying. I'm like, I'm not going to go forward. I'm like, oh, I'm dying, right? Remember, I was chubby. And I'm dying, and I'm trying to go forward. And you guys ever have that moment to where someone on your team comes by and he's like, uh-uh, get up. We're doing this together. A, because they didn't want to run more, but B, because we are stronger together. If you've been lifted up in the middle of a horrible situation by family and friends, we are stronger together. Or if you've ever been in a situation to where you are down and you need some help, we are stronger together. This is youth ministry, so I have an illustration. So Josh, if you want to help me out, uh, I have an illustration of this uh, talking about how we are stronger together, how a single cord can be broken, 
but a threefold cord is not quickly broken, and how it's just the natural law of things. And so, Josh, give me a, a junior higher or a middle schooler that you think could break this, who's strong, right? And I need a strong middle schooler, not like I need a good, strong wrestling, basketball, football player, middle schooler, whoever you want to pick. Go, real quick. He has one hand? No, you can't do it. You got one hand. That makes Connor, get up here real quick. Come on. Welcome. Come on. Everyone cheer for Connor. Come on, buddy. Hustle. Let's go. We need you. Let's go. All right, Connor, all I need you to do for the audience is I need you to hold this stick out in front of you like this, okay? And I just need you to pop it. Just br- if you're strong enough, just break it. Right, Connor? Now you have two shivs. Those would be good in prison one day. But if you follow Jesus, you won't go to prison. Okay. All right, same exact move. I want you to stand right here for me, please, uh, on top of the Oreos with me. Uh, over here. So same exact move, okay? Now, you can put your hand on the rubber bands. All I've done, this is, you attest that this is three of the same exact thing that you just broke. Yeah? Okay, keep your like that. Keep it out in front of you. Don't use your knee. I want you to try to break that. Go. Come on, come on, come on. All right, there we go, there we go. All right, come on, give it up for Connor, right? Hey, any junior higher, Josh, take this. After service, I want to see if anybody can break that. But all I'm saying, Connor was up here, and it took him half a second to create two shivs for prison, right? It took him half a second to do that. And then the moment I put three of them together with a rubber band, he couldn't do it. And it's the same exact motion. Again, it's just a natural law thing. It's the way that God created things. And I think the purpose of saying this is God is praying this for us. God exists like this, and he's stronger together. But for some reason, for some reason, we have ended up in a society that says individualistic and independence is the highest reward of our society. When our scripture says independence is not your highest reward or the highest way of living, it's not independence, it's interdependence. It's saying, I can't do this alone. And we live in a society that's all about trying to prove yourself. I'm going to prove myself. I'm going to prove my haters wrong. I'm going to prove, right? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to try to do this. Indi- I'm going to do this by myself so that everyone knows how good and powerful and strong I am. And we live in a society that says independence and individualistic living. That's the high. You can really prove to somebody that you're strong by doing it that way. When the scriptures say that's not the way it is. It's interdependence. It's relying on the people around you because we are stronger together. That's all I'm trying to say, but here's the problem. Here's how this has crept into the church. And this would be my, my critique of the American church. I'm from Texas. I see it down there. And, and, and I don't know if you guys are dealing with this in Canton, Ohio or not. But the critique of the American church is this, is that we focus on performance instead of connection too often. Here's what I mean by that. We are so, we have, we are so falling into the temptation of acting like we have it all together rather than living life together. And we show up to church with our Sunday best, right? Feeling good, like I should, right? So you show up in your Sunday best, and you come in here, and you're like, well, I'm going to worship, and I'm going to do this, and I know the word of God. And you come in here with this, this, this tendency that comes from our culture that gets into a space of performance and individualism and, 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 and independence. And you come in here, and we have this tendency to make it about how we have it all together, Surely my kids aren't messing up. Surely I didn't yell at my wife. Surely I'm not struggling at home. Surely I'm not anxious about the finances. But I'm going to come in here and I'm going to act like I have it all together when God is saying, no, we need to be living life together. We are stronger together. 
And it's all throughout the scriptures, right? We can go from wisdom literature, Ecclesiastes. Jesus is, is praying about it as well. But also look at the way God even created the church in the first place. The reason why we gather is because we are stronger together to remind ourselves of the gospel, to lift up and to worship his name. The primary role of the church is to come in here and to worship, our, our, uh, to worship Jesus Christ. Amen? We are the bride. He is the bridegroom. And we are to worship our God together because there's something about coming together that makes us stronger. Amen? But let's look even deeper. I don't want you to be like, that's the crazy guy from Texas saying this. Romans chapter 12, talking about the church. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one, right? There's a unity. It's togetherness. It's in Christ. It's because of Jesus. We are individually members of one another. I also love that Ephesians chapter 4, talking about the church, this is like, I'm a pastor, and this is like the primary way to talk about the church. It says, until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed and fro by the waves and carried out by every wind of doctrine or by human cunning or by the craftiness of in deceitful schemes, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined together and held together, right? We are stronger together by every joint with which it is equipped. And I love this statement. Like, this is my statement. All, when each part is working properly, the whole thing grows. When each part is working properly, it makes the whole body grow so that it builds itself up in love. When each part is working properly, I saw this on display all weekend at Amplify. Parents involved bringing food to the rooms, adult leaders quickening the comment, quickening the communication by hanging out in the small group rooms and, and pushing over dominoes and having conversations and leading them. And then I saw you guys coming together, encouraging each other, having fun with each other. Uh, I, saw, I saw the church being willing to let them use the building in a way, and the staff, and, and your lead pastor, your worship pastor. Your, you have your executive pastor up here literally dumping food all over his face, right? And the whole thing works together. It builds itself up in love. But the point of your staff, let me kind of just ruffle some feathers real quick, maybe or maybe not. The point of your staff is not to do all the ministry. The point of your staff is to equip you to do the ministry. So that we all build each other up in love. If you're an older generation in here, you can self-identify if you'd like. If you're an older generation in here, the scriptures literally say we pass our faith down by telling the wondrous works of our God, the glorious deeds of our Father, so that they would glorify our Father in heaven. So is isn't coming to the nine o'clock showing to see Marvel's Avengers, get your little sermon and go. It's what am I doing to build this body up in love together? Right? Who's working in the kids' ministry? Who's working in the youth ministry? Who's doing this thing? You know what I mean? Like, for as much as, like, I am a gifted communicator or whatever, whether you believe that or not, right? Whether I believe that or not, I can't sing. I literally can't. Josh definitely can't sing if you've ever been around Josh. They made that video of this weekend. I can't do that. I can't make those really creative shots. Like, we had a security guy here who's a police officer, and, and, and he was running security for this whole thing, and he's got a 
you know, and, and I almost said, I feel like Tom Holland's spoiling things, but uh, I can't protect this church like he can. He's got training that I don't have, right? Reading stories of Brother Andrew smuggling Bibles into communists right after, uh, through the Iron Curtain, right? He had people, benefactors, buying those Bibles so that he could smuggle them into foreign countries. So I don't know what God's gifted you with. I don't know what talent God's given you. I don't know what resource that he's given you. I don't know what knowledge that he's given you. All I know is that this whole thing builds itself up together. This whole thing grows when we all work together. Not only just the church body, but also for you individually. To say, I need to be in a connect group. Not because it's, a, it's a, a function of what the church is doing and it's another program that I need to be a part of, but because Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Dads, if you want to be the best dad that you can be for your children, and the number one reason the next generation is falling away from Jesus is because dads aren't being dads. And if you want to be the best dad that you possibly can be, get in a connect group with some other dads and be like, my kids are crazy. Can I just be honest? I'm not going to perform. Oh, yeah, my kid plays basketball. My kid's on the wrestling team. And I get some false sense identity out of that. Like, like, yeah, cool. That is your human being doing those things. I got three kids, and that happens a lot. I'm like, oh, you get that from me. Like, okay. Probably anyway, but dads, you need to be together. Like the police officer that I was talking to, he needs to be in a community group with other police officers because they see things that we never see. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, I had a rough day today. You know what I mean? Like, I stubbed my thumb trying to cut a PVC pipe and try not to hurt somebody. And the police officer's like, well, I, I dragged a dead body out of a ditch today. Here's what needs to happen. You need to recognize that we all have a mess. That we've all made a mess of things. That we all don't have it together. And if we could give up the performance attitude, we can give up the in independence and the, inter uh, the independence attitude and start coming into this place and saying, you know what, the best way for me to share the gospel is to recognize that I need the gospel every single day in my life. And, and I am on a journey of sanctification, a journey of growth in my, my knowledge of God. And I am, it is okay not to be okay, but it's also okay to say that I'm not where I was and I'm actually growing, and here's how I'm becoming better, and I'm not perfect, but here's how I'm connecting to Jesus, and here's how I want to serve and help you, and here's how I want to help you, and like, and the body analogy is so good. Can you imagine living life with like a broken foot? It, it affects you, right? We literally had a leader break his foot yesterday playing basketball, right? Like four hours later, he's back at Amplify, and he was like, I literally could not wait to get back here. I just need, I wanted to be back here. Little did he know, we talked about how God does small things. We do small things, God does big things. And he was, in the, he was in the ER or wherever he was at, and he was just praying, God, help this go quickly so I can get back to my, my youth. And they're like, dude, it's going to be like four hours. This is a slow process here today. And he literally sat in the hallway, and he said, God, help this go faster so I can get back to my youth. And out of nowhere, they called his name. And he went through there like that instead of waiting four hours so he could get back to his youth. While we were here talking about how we do small things, God will do big things. God was doing a small thing. We, he was doing a small thing. God was doing a big thing in his life. So my challenge for you this morning, some random guy from Texas who loves to preach the word of God, who genuinely loves the word of God and loves Jesus. 
It wants what's best for you and wants what's best for this church, wants to serve the lead pastor well, wants to serve the vision of of this church for him. Can I just come from the outside and come in and saying, are you a part of this body? Because when the whole thing works together, it builds itself up in love. It grows. So what gift do you have? What talent do you have? What resource do you have? What time do you have? What stories do you have of God's faithfulness? What what can you be doing to, to be a part of this thing? And then on an individual level, find a connect group, grow together, build together, do this life together. Young people, the best, look at me real quick, young people, the best thing you could ever do is do life together. If you are isolated, the enemy can defeat you. But if you do life together, you're stronger. And this is the essence of the good news of the gospel. The essence of the good news of the gospel is this. We tend to go to God with a performance mindset. God, look at, look at how good I am, or look at how much I've messed this up so I don't feel like I can go to you. And we act like we've got to have it all together to go to Jesus. When it's the exact opposite. Jesus is saying, I will step into your mess. I will clean you up. Just come to me and connect with me and let's do this life together. And so we need to get that performance mindset out of our, plan, our application to God. And we need to look to God and say, God, I'm not trying to act like I have it all together. I'm actually messed up and I need you today. I need to, you never graduate from the gospel. Every single day you should remind yourself of the good news. And instead of going to God acting like you have it all together, go to God and say, hey God, we need to do this thing together. And he will. That's the essence of it all. God walked with us in the garden and he will be with us in eternity. He, went, he left heaven, came down to earth to be with us. The whole goal of this whole thing is so that God and us would be together. So if you feel too far gone from God, you don't have to clean yourself up. Quit acting. You don't have to clean yourself up. Just say, God, I want to connect to you and I want to do this together. And if you feel like you're trying to prove to God that you're worthy of your love, Quit quit trying to perform and saying, God, look, I have it all together. And saying, God, let's do this thing together. That's the essence of salvation. It's to say, God, you're God and I'm not. And we're going to do this together. Amen? So why don't you stand? Let me pray for you just to kind of solidify this in the spirit. And in this moment, I don't want it to just simply be me uh, praying and you listening. That's, That's called playing church. We're not here to play church. Each of us has access to God because of Jesus. So this morning as I pray, would you pray with me? As, as I lead you in a guided prayer, would you from your spirit say, God, what can I be doing? God, how can I get in a connect group? How can I be a part of this church body? What can I serve? What can I do? God, help me to be a better dad. Help me to be a better mom. Help me to be a, a, a better son, a better daughter. Help me to be a better friend. I don't want to be isolated. I want to live life together. So God, bring people into my life because alone I can be defeated. Together we are strong. So truly find that space of prayer, and then the the band's going to lead us in another song as we worship who God is today. So God, we love you, and we thank you for this moment here today where you're speaking to our hearts, you're moving in our lives. So Holy Spirit, even as you are one with the Son and with the Father, help this body be one. Help them be together. Help them to be unity. Help them be unified. God, that we would learn as your family, it's not about performance or acting like we have it all together. It's about connection and living life together. We pray all this in the name of your son.
Everyone set? Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the North Canton Chapel Podcast. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please share this episode with your friends or spread the word on social media. If you subscribe and leave a five-star review, it goes a long way to helping us make much of Jesus every day to everyone who hears these podcast episodes. You can also donate to this ministry at nchapel.com forward slash give. Thanks again for joining us. May you go out into your places and spaces making much of Jesus every day to everyone.